Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast, Episode 64. Today, we are joined by SFR Automotive on Instagram, a.k.a. Nick LeBlanc. Um, And unfortunately, out of the normal cast, Graham's not going to be here because he's got the Rona. God damn. Well, I already had it. I'm sure he'll be fine. That shit sucked, but I'm sure he'll pull through. But yeah, definitely. Like when I when we had Tyler on, I can like I can only imagine what he's going through because I was like, oh yeah, I should be fine. Once like later in the day, him like yeah, no, there's no fucking way that I can make it. So condolences to him because that shit sucks. And I've been lucky so far. Well, shit, I'm happy for you. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it was weird too because. Like, we're not going to go too, too crazy into it. I'll just kind of scam onto it. But, like, all of us that hung out the night that got it, all of us got it. But, like, all of us have hung out before. So, it was, like, so weird that, like, obviously, I'm not a fucking scientist or anything. So, I couldn't tell you how it really happens. But, um, yeah, not the end of the world. But, alrighty. So, let's get a little bit, let's get a little bit into uh, what we got going on here today. So, Nick. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your rig, where you're from, kind of what got you into wheeling. Give us the whole rundown. All right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm from uh, Northeast Florida, Jacksonville area. Uh, current rig is a 2000 Jeep Cherokee. Uh, nice. Bought it as a two-wheel drive automatic <clears throat> with a blown engine in it. And just kind of, that was its life with me. It started there and it ended with, you know, basically on the initial build, which is like 37s in a, mostly stock 16 14 bolt and a nice. oh, yeah. 300 231 setup is what i had in it oh it's just wait kind of evolved. wait 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 wait. you said at the end of its life do you not currently have it anymore no no, no. like at the end of the like the first stage oh okay okay yeah the, oh, what yeah. got me on the trails with it nice um so what really made you decide to just go full bore with that specific cherokee well, um, it kind of snowballed. The two-door I had gradually built up, the one that I had that caught on fire before that. Um, and originally, I bought a Jeep, and I was going to swap because it was on a half tons. I was going to swap those in it. Then I found a deal on a 231, 300 doubler setup. So I was like, well, I don't really trust the half tons with those axles. So then I sold those, picked up a set of tons, threw those under it, and then I you know, went ahead and braced the entire chassis and built it all up and decided I was going to make a, a reliable family wheeler that was going to be somewhat comfortable since it had a, you know, the factory leather and AC and all the power windows and stuff and everything worked at the time too. Hold on. So you're telling me it was a two wheel drive automatic that had leather and AC. Yeah. It's a limited. That's fucking cool. I mean, I'm kind of surprised that it was a two wheel drive. Oh, that's why I'm so used to most of them being four wheel drive up here, but I guess that's there's my answer. Oh Dude, yeah, that's Florida fucking stuff. cool. Um, have you had any head gasket problems? I know everybody cries and complains that supposedly the uh, 2000s and 01s are pieces of shit because of the head gaskets, but personally, so, I've never had any problems. So, right. Well, it's funny you say that. The when I picked it up, I said the motor was blown in it. It had a blown head gasket and a couple busted up pistons in it um it hasn't had a motor from that era since then the motor i put in it originally was from like a 91 or it was from my 92 that i had just put a 91 motor in it right before the last trip and so i took that and put it in the four-door nice um, originally and 
I've never had head gasket issues. I've had other motor issues, but never head gasket. Yeah, so I mean, that kind of proves. Oh, well, it doesn't prove my point, but it seems that it's just like every once in a while they just go, no matter what, because like everybody cries. Like you'll see on Club Action, you'll be like, "Oh, which year is the best Cherokee?" And you'll see a bajillion posts about everybody shitting on the two thousands and oh ones. But then again, Graham had head gasket problems in his two thousand. You, you're saying yours did before you even owned it. So I guess, I don't know. Fuck them. <laughs> um, you know, it depends on what you're doing, too. Like, in someone like my case or Nick's case where it's just going to tons and it doesn't matter, <laughs> they're not a, bad, not a bad starting platform. It's a 231 AW4 and a 4.0. Yeah, I mean, it... It's reliable, and honestly, I mean, even if the head gasket did blow, I mean, it's harder to find now, but it still shouldn't be too hard to find a replacement head. And honestly, the the head I ran on it was uh, not even the right kind of year. I've had those, uh, I had those that coil rail sitting unbolted on the head for like the last six years. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's That's been perfectly fine. Yeah, I would do. Um, so not to deep dive too far but what was the jeep before this because i feel like that really kind of ties in i'm sure a lot of people have seen you on like flex rocks and rollovers and you know yeah um it was a uh, two-door five-speed um i had put half tons 37s caged it um it essentially, I mean, it, it was nothing too crazy. It was a four liter with a cam. It was a bone stock AX15, a 231 transfer case. And a, yeah, just kind of a, not even a good 44. It was like an early Bronco 44, like the low pinion. Oh, uh, Jesus. Yeah, it, it was a pile of junk and an 8.8 .8 in the back. And I stretched it and wheeled it for a bit. And yeah, that's now, what really got me into crawling too, is that thing. We're, were the wheelbases different? I thought the 44s and the 88s were different uh, widths. So the early Bronco 44 is – it mine came with drum brakes originally, and uh, the front 44 came with drum brakes originally, and it was like 59 and a half WMS, which is narrower than a Dana 30. Yep. Oh, um, shit. Wow. So with the disc brake conversion, it brought it out to Dana 30 width, and with the 8.8 .8, – I did the C-click eliminator, which widened it like five-eighths of an inch on each side. So it, it brought them pretty close together. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, I'm impressed then. Yeah, I don't know too, too much about the Dana 44s. But from what I experienced of like like looking at the Chevy or uh, for Dana 44s, I could have figured that they were wider than the uh, than like an 8.8. Because I believe, yeah, because I believe the 8.8s are almost the exact same like width as like a Dana 30, right? Uh, uh, they're a little narrow, but every other... Ford 44, except for the one I bought, is wider. They're all full width. Huh. So one I bought is narrow, low pinion. It was not a good starting point for a 44. No, it's not. I ran the same axle actually after you had just put yours in. Uh, not to be weird and internet stalkerish, but I'm <laughs> following you on the form. Um, I saw you were doing that, and one came up in front of me with a 456s and a Detroit in it, and the disc brake conversion was already done. I slapped All that right. under my rig with the uh, eight and a quarter, and then I blew the Detroit, the gear set, 
like eight sets of hubs and more stub shafts than I care to count. Wow. So, so with so this being said, I just have to say, I hate you, Nick, for giving him that idea then. Uh, no, that, that blame goes to Caleb and, uh, oh God, I'm forgetting the kid's name that I actually bought it off of. Because they talked me into it because it was already set up for the XJ, supposedly. All right. Nice. Yeah, I did all I could. I spooled it, uh, put a thick set of 410s in it. I even had CTMs on it along with the 4340 shafts. And it it held up decent from there. To what uh, size tire are we saying? A 37? It was a 37 MTR on like a, just a steely. So it wasn't a very heavy combo, and it was a two-door that I wheeled without doors. Usually it didn't have a lot of glass in it because I kept breaking it. Um, and it was a five-speed, so it was a pretty light combination, along with being severely undergeared. Huh. That must have been pretty annoying with the uh, 410s in it. I, I got good at using the clutch with that thing. Wheeling with a manual on that Jeep got me a lot more comfortable with the manual. Off road, at least. I can believe it, yeah, because I that was one of my like biggest things. I always felt like it was gonna be like twitchy or weird, and like I come from like dirt bikes, so in my head I'm like, oh, it has to be somewhat similar. Like you know, you just kind of feather it and you roll with it. But then I remember the first time I ever rode in Graham's Jeep, who is uh, the one of the co-hosts on this as well that is missing today, um, and it was like my first time ever fully understanding like really what 538s can do. And I'm like, shit, this has to be easy. You just kind of slowly let it out. So I could imagine that with like very undergeared and standard that that would suck. It it was a learning experience, now, which is why the next Jeep had much better gearing all around. Are you running a NV35 or an AX in the new Jeep? Uh, I started with an AX15, and about three-ish years ago, I swapped it to an NV3550. And I ran that up until recently. Okay. Um, so what do you have now? Uh, six liter and four liter eighty going together. Oh, gotcha. So, oh yeah, that's a little jump. Um, yeah. Did it blow up after the flex rocks and rollovers episode? Um, it, I damaged uh, a couple rod bearings, um, but luckily. You know, when I got it back, I tore it all down. There wasn't even a, a tiny mark on the crank or anything. So I put new bearings in it, started up, ran good. Uh, great oil pressure, no noise. And uh, I had a buddy who blew his engine, and he was interested in my stroker. So I offered it up to him and started doing the six-liter swap. That's awesome. Yeah. So before we go too, too crazy into that, because I'm guessing that'd be kind of a fun little thing to talk about. Um, how the fuck does somebody from Florida get into rock crawling? Like I thought Florida was like mud stuff and like fast cars and whatnot. And now you're telling me that you like to rock crawl. What did I miss? So we got, I mean, initially it started with like, you know, dirt trails and mud stuff with like a couple random, mostly stock Jeeps and stuff a long time ago. Um, then I think it was Cherokee form. Uh, they did a ride in a park down here called Hard Rock Off-Road Park, which is an old uh, lime rock quarry. Oh. So it's got a whole bunch of big lime rock boulders everywhere, and it's pretty decent for where it is in Florida. And I went there, and I don't know, it, it's a lot more exciting. 
So kind of sorry well, to go that route instead. I'm happy you went on that run because I'm sure that's a mar much smarter choice. I I mean, as we all know from New England, like we try our best to stay out of the mud, but just kind of came as a surprise to me that somebody like would get seriously into rock crawling from Florida, which is mostly flat, right? It's I don't think there's many uh, much elevation in Florida. Pretty that's pretty fucking cool. The cow is it. That's all we got for an elevation. But you'd be surprised. There's a lot of pretty built crawlers down in Florida. Uh, there's a big group I go with. We do a lot of out-of-state out trips to, like, uh, Choco and Hawk Pride and all those kind of areas. Oh, so I'll be seeing you. I, I try to get over there as much as I can, yeah. Yeah, the I'm, like, th two and a half, three hours from Choco. So All it's right. not a bad trip for me to get down there. Um, Only like 16 hours, it's fine. Not a yeah. big deal. It's no, just like go. seven and a half hours from Choco, I think. Wow. Hey, I'll take seven and a half over 16 any day. I uh, is <laughs> seven. Choco is close, man. It's Windrock and Harlan that becomes like nine and a half, 10, 11, 12 hours. And so, hot rides like 10, 12 hours for me. So now, since you've been to all these cool parks down there that sadly us uh, northerners don't always get to go to, out of all of those, which would like roughly, would you say was was your favorite? Um, I I really enjoy Winrock. Um, I, there's a lot of stuff to do there. Mm -hmm. I don't mind the long drives down other trails to get to the obstacles, which I think is most people's issue with Winrock. But uh, I yeah, like the wheeling we, and scenery there. Heard some of that. Yeah, we were yeah. talking with Dwight about it, and he said that he wasn't as big of a fan. He preferred AOP because everything was – it's more of an abusement park. Yeah, AOP is good for that, um, and everything – it's a small condensed park. So um, if you're going to go out and just beat the hell out of your rig for, you know, uh, every day you're there, at least if you break, you're pretty close to camp, unlike Winrock where you could be a few hours from camp. Yeah, I guess that's half the adventure, you know, like, what's the point if you're not going to go and try to just make it something to remember? And like, what if you snap a knuckle off in the middle of Windrock? Like, hey, you're going to remember it's going to suck, but you're going to remember that trip. So, well, my tutor, my tutor actually caught fire on a trail at Windrock. Oh, gee, like full blown fire or? Oh, it's gone. Yeah, no, it was fully engulfed in flames on a trail Holy... 15 at Windrock. Holy shit. We had shit. to drag it out of there. Did you get like fines or anything for it or anything crazy? No, 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 no. They, they're, they're fine. Uh, they usually, as long as we, t you know, took everything out with us, they didn't seem to care. Oh, so they just want you to pack your shit and <laughs> like, well, they didn't want to leave a on the trail. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I got you. I, I get you. I'm just joking. Um. Yeah. So, did you ever figure out like what happened <laughs> or why it ever caught on fire? So, with with that Jeep. Um, I didn't go fuel cell. I did the, uh, you know, the cheap raise the factory fuel tank through the floorboard thing. Um, and I put a metal tank over it to kind of give it a little firewall, I guess, from the cab. Yeah, which is and, smart uh, idea. It makes sense. Yeah, and it, it seemed to be all right. And I think earlier that day, we had been on my side, and I had smelt a little fuel, and I didn't really think much of it. And what I'm thinking is some of the fuel might have leaked out from that steel tank because it had been hit a lot over the years. So I think there might have been some cracking issues or ceiling issues oh, and i think it puddled up in there so we were uh we were we were in a group we were heading to a trail and every, the rest of the group went all the way around the trail and me and uh my buddy tyler 
who was riding with me, we decided to uh, – we were just going to come down Trail 15 and meet them at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming down Trail 15, you hit a couple ledges dropping off. And one ledge, the second the rear end struck, it just – it blew up. Uh, big Holy flames. It, it, we saw flames come under our feet. Luckily, I had no doors on, and we both got our harnesses off extremely fast, I thought. But by the time we got an extinguisher to it, it was just – it was too far. It, yeah, that's it, it off immediately. That sounds fucking horrifying. I that's like one of my biggest fear while wheeling is like actually having a fire that um that will either a like big enough to cause that much damage or like hurt somebody. Like that's yeah. holy fuel shit. Fires are they're serious. I I definitely take it a lot more serious now. If I smell fuel I'm I'm stopping until it's uh taken care of. Uh God damn. I've been pretty lucky with this one. Yeah, yeah let's hope this one doesn't me, catch on uh, fire want to go and run some steel braided line all the way from the uh fuel rail back i mean that would be fine i guess but that's not really what i mean my lines are pretty well tucked up um and my now i have a fuel cell that's in the back and it's pretty protected and i have it mounted on foam and all sorts of things to try to keep it from cracking yeah it's held up i've got a moto built cell in the back but to go through the body, I did a rubber line with a sheath over it, um, right. and I just don't particularly like it. And like, I broke the fuel rail um, barb at the okay. top, so that's got a rubber line with like three hose clamps on it. And I kind of want to just like so- LS and fix all that. Yeah, LS would fix that. Um, um, yeah, but is that what size tank did you get, or sell part of me if you want me to get technical? Fifteen gallon. And now is that going to be enough for a LS ripping down trail all day? I don't see why it wouldn't be. Uh, because it's a heavy right foot. Okay, I'm just curious. If, like, I mean, obviously, yes, fifteen gallons is a lot of fucking fuel, but it would suck to have to go and fill your tank like twice in a weekend if it's not enough. How big is your? Do you have? Do you currently have a cell neck in yours? Yeah, I got a 15 gallon uh, RCI. Uh, so I I'm in the habit of filling up every morning before I wheel. Um, I'd like to keep that tank completely full. Um, and even with the stroker, I was probably five or six gallons a day. Um, yeah, without going too crazy right. wheeling. Um, okay. Well, it depends on really how hard I drive during that day. So now this is a really good conversation that we get to have because I just put two and two together because I'm kind of a fucking idiot and I didn't realize what you were saying before. So you you've had a stroker motor, which uh, what was it stroked out to? Uh, four point six. So it was a four six, and now you've ha- you have an LS currently in your rig. It's in there, and I'm currently tuning it and finishing up the swap, yeah. Oh, okay. So then we are going to have to have you back on later to finish this, because I was about to ask, because so many people are like, oh, I want a stroker mine, and then you have like 16 other people. Like, we're going right back to Club Extra and all the craziness on there. But you'll have people who like argue the fact of, like, no, it's just worth it to do an LS. And based off of price, what do you feel was like the best option? Um, clearly, uh, you've, you've had the stroker blow up, so I'm sure you're tainted a little bit. But so the the issue I had with the stroker wasn't an issue for the stroker. I was standing straight up when it happened, and I was running out of oil pressure, and I was just staying in it on the rev limiter. And uh, 
I was well aware of what was going on during the situation. So I, the stroker itself has been amazing. I've, I sourced the parts from, uh, 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 they're from the Bishop Buell racing. Oh, um, I, I'm, I don't think I've done any research really on the stroker. So I'm not too sure on the, um, the names yeah. and whatnot. Uh, Russ Pottinger. I don't know if you've heard that name before, but yeah, I've he's, heard of Russ. he's as far as I'm concerned, like the, source for information on jeep strokers he got me set up with some scat rod like the they're four liter length rods <laughs> instead of using four two rods and then it's a custom set of pistons oh shit! And, uh, yeah and it's supposed to be a slightly more reliable way to run a stroker and it it has handled non-stop rev limiters for a few <laughs> years now um and it, honestly uh, if my a buddy of mine didn't need a motor bad and I wasn't getting kind of bored, I would still be running the stroker. I Wow. LSs are uh awfully expensive and way more work than a stroker will be. So if you're just looking for a bump in power and a lot of torque, I mean I would pick stroker any day. Was it a noticeable difference? Yes. Oh yeah, because before um I uh I went to the stroker, I think uh when I first got the Hey, yeah, the 40 inch traps when I had them. Um, and I, before I got the stroker, I would be in a single, single low in the 205 and I would drop the clutch in second gear. And I would, I couldn't really carry second gear super hard up some of these climbs. Or I couldn't launch it very hard in second gear and it would bog out and all that. Now with the stroker, I'm, I'm starting to pull third up some of these hills that I couldn't do second before. And that's in just Holy the shit. single low on the 205. That's all. Awesome. Wow. That yeah, that's a big difference. Shit, can't really complain about that. No, I've, I've been very happy with it, and it's been reliable. So I mean, it, the only issue it had was something I inflicted that could have damaged any motor. Yeah. And now, uh, Luke mentioned that this happened on or during or after the episode that you were on or whatever. Could you go into that, Luke? I'm sorry, I'm blanking a little bit on that. Um. There was uh, Flex Rocks and Rollovers on their YouTube channel. I think you were at Katempsi. Yeah. Uh, just started smoking, and you could hear it ticking. So that's why I had asked. So um, there was one obstacle. <clears throat> sorry. Uh, one obstacle that I got, like the first one I got denied on, um, where the cooler fell out. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah. on that one, that's where I was standing up and beating on it, and it started knocking right then, so I kind of I called it quits on that one because I didn't want to yeah. scatter the motor across the obstacle. Um, <laughs> and then I did the last couple obstacles with the small knock on the motor after that, but yeah, it started during that one obstacle. That's fucking awesome. So how did you even get, like... Whoa, whoa, like, whoa. Oh, pump the brakes. Oh. I wanted to go back to the LS stuff. Oh, you okay, know, go for it. No, 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 my running. bad. My bad. I, I, hey, hey. You, I you. appreciate the enthusiasm, but <laughs> my big thing that's pushing me towards the LS is, I don't know if it's just me having terrible luck, but I split the crankshaft on a 4.0, Really? In addition to taking out the cam bearings and camshaft in one weekend. Um, uh, that's impressive. Yeah. On a fresh swap. On a fresh swap, the other motor that was swapped out 
it made a lovely oil pan slurry of rod bearings and that one had I think 80,000 miles on it when I swapped it in uh, the next motor came out of Richie's old rig so I swapped that in with like 200,000 miles on it and the almost AX three 15. Oh, okay almost three uh, and then it skewered itself in a weekend and um, then I put in the 200,000 mile motor it's got now and that's losing oil pressure so it's like I just don't know if it's me being terrible to them or what but I kind of want to go LS just to get away from paying a machine shop to right. do all of the work to a motor that I've had a bad experience with. Right. And if, I mean, I will say the stroker is completely dependent on the parts you use and who you have assemble it. Um, because I've seen plenty of them grenade themselves pretty quickly down the line and everyone's got their own reasons why their motor blew up. But I mean, it, I've seen a lot of people have very good luck on the strokers. I mean, I, it just kind of depends on how it's built. And that's why I went with the long rod setup. Cause I've, I, after talking with him for a while, he basically convinced me that it was a more reliable setup. It could handle the higher higher RPM abuse a little better than the uh, 4.2 rod setup. That would make sense. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to claim to be a saint. I'm your typical XJ owner that, like, throws Rotella 15 weight 40 in it and forgets about it okay. until it quits running right. And then, See, I like a nice dash of ATF in mine. I feel it helps. <laughs> right. And then after that, you know, figure out what else is going on. But normally the motor is not, like, the biggest problem with my rig. Normally it's, like... The driver? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. no, never. Or... I feel, I've had I feel like we're all... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just—I was gonna say—I um, feel like we're all fine in driving normal until we just egg each other on, and then we just feed off one another with uh, uh, with our rev limiters. I feel like every time that happens, just one person starts, and it's just like, all right, fuck it, we're just flooring it, let's get it, like just every single time. Or we go out and it's wet. True, that's true. My issue is anytime I'm out and somebody's got a camera pointed at me and I get denied on something, I tend to beat on it a lot harder, uh, which has cost me a lot of money over the years. But I don't even need the it's camera. Fun. I just need the spotter telling me to hit it with my purse and that I suck at driving and should have put an automatic in it. And right. then we watch hubs go flying off into the distance with junkyards. Uh, 30 spline outers committing die uh, committing die that's wow <laughs> education <laughs> see usually for me it's when caitlin starts yelling at me calling me an idiot that's when i know that it's uh it's you know it's go time that's when i'm just like oh shit it must be cool <laughs> start going nuts as nuts as you can go with 35s and a dana 30 hey, hey I mean, things you're will pretty explode. out of control with that it's knocking like a Jehovah's Witness, all right? You watch yourself. Well, it's a four-liter. <laughs> That's what they do. True. Yeah, clearly. I still think, I don't know. Fuck that thing. I'm just going to slap another one in once it blows up. 
but I'm still not convinced that I'm going to go LS. If I do anything, I might just OME swap it with how much, um, what's his name? Oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking right Andy. now. Andy, thank you. I was going to say Adam, but uh, with how much Andy has absolutely loved that thing and seeing it just sit out of a hood stack, there's just something about it that just riles me up. Not to mention it eats limiters, so it's it's got to be worth it. Right, yeah. They're as long cool. as you can hit the limiter. <laughs> I just like the sound of an LS banging limiter. Yeah, I mean, I do too, but like I'm also not made of money, you know? Uh, yeah, and that's the big thing about the LSs, man, is they can be great swaps, but they're not cheap at all. So wherever they got the reputation for being a cheap swap is so beyond me. I... I can understand them being a cheap swap if you're doing something like the Holly kit and just making your own motor mounts and making everything else to go with it and keeping it relatively stock. Isn't the cheapest Holly kit like 999? Yeah, that's like there's at least a grand in that Holly kit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I so I think where people get away with it is just like what Luke is saying, and I think you can rob the stock harnesses you pull can. them apart and repin the ecus um and then they're wicked cheap and yeah obviously if you make your mo own motor mounts and whatnot but they usually keep them stock like that's their they keep them whatever and if it's or they slap a turbo on it for dirt cheap whether it be for cars or for jeeps um but then again also you get the like I guess you're right. You'd start stacking up pretty quickly because then you gotta start matching transmissions and you gotta start matching transfer cases and then drive shafts and then so. I guess it's just, you know, it's it might as well be in a Jeep because it feels like anything that you do with the Jeep when you're doing one thing, well, I guess there's six other things that you got to do to match that one yeah. thing that you want to yeah. do. And you're just throwing a shit ton of fucking money at it. God, why are we, why do we like this? Like, why are why are we into crawling over rocks as slow as possible? This shit's dumb. Sadism. <laughs> uh, I always no. think it's masochism. Masochism? Oh, my God. Just hate, make myself hate myself. I don't know. Is that how that works? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was such I'll a weird like keep working on it. tangent. Yeah. You know what? It was one of those things that I started talking, and then I like just started like brain started going, and then the mouth started going, and I had to catch back up with myself and come to a spot that I didn't know where I got to. But here yeah. I am. Um. <laughs> so, what's done to your LS that's adding to the cost? Just out of curiosity. So, I mean, it's. Not really the the mods on the LS because the only thing really internal to the LS is um I got a, a 1840 cam in it which is I guess the sloppy stage two cam is what it's called um okay. and you know the valve train mods to make that necessary and I mean I went through it <clears throat> you know replaced all the gaskets I replaced some cam bearings some other all sorts of seals and stuff and I mean it's just that little stuff making it to where it's not just a junkyard motor that could potentially go at any moment now and then you know belt drives and stuff like that because the stock accessory drive on an ls doesn't clear my orbital um at all so i had to get a goat built pulley setup and it's just you know a little stuff it just starts stacking yeah. on fuel lines fuel pump all that that makes sense now what uh what did you actually pull the motor from uh it's a out of originally a 2004 Chevy 2500 truck. Okay. Um, and is that and the, the LT4 or is that LQ? LQ4. LQ4. Okay, sorry. Because yeah. what the LTs came in the Camaros, I believe, right? 
the older LTs would have been like uh, Camaro, Trans Am stuff. The newer yeah, LTs are like the newer Camaros and like, the whole different version. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> new to the whole LS world, so. Uh, yeah. What is it? The LM3 or 33? That's the L aluminum 5.3 out of the yeah. Trailblazers? Yeah, the L33. I think that came in like some Cadillacs and some other things too. I, I'm not 100% sure what all that came into. I just know they're kind of hard to come across. They're kind of hard to come across. Um, for my swap, realistically, for ease of sourcing, it's probably going to be a 4.8 or a 5.3 out of just like, you know, generic pickup truck with the manual um, for the simplicity of <laughs> I like my manual. I don't want to change it. I'd rather just throw an NV4500 in it and go. Yeah, I'm kind of having doubts. I, I wanted to keep the manual. <clears throat> it just wasn't working out, and I found a 4080 for cheap. Makes sense. I was going to yeah. ask why you were swapping it, but I Trust me, I, I don't want an automatic, but we'll see. Uh, Supposedly, so according to Crazy K's, which who I would consider is the most technical drivers that we've had on the podcast, um, he was swearing by uh, going with an automatic. I mean, granted, he he's an older guy, so maybe that's a part of it because we've also talked to a few rockaholics outside of the podcast who swear by um, automatics, and you have your younger guys who swear by their standards and or manuals. Pardon me. So I guess it's just personal preference but also like the, your style of wheeling probably would be more likely because if you're if you're just like flooring it 24 7 then it doesn't really matter you just drop the clutch and you're good to go and then hope for no like no clutch slip or then if you have an automatic torque slip um but like what would you consider your style of wheeling because you're kind of like a weird in between almost right where like you'll do your technical rock crawling but you also will just go full rev limiter assault yeah i'll, I'll try the I usually try the slow crawl approach, um, especially if it's something new. And I'll try that a couple of little times, see if it'll work. And then what usually ends up happening is I'll get a little frustrated. And then I'll just start backing up and dropping the clutch and uh, seeing what happens. Um, so I, I like to start easy and get a little further into it. And just it gets more and more aggressive until either it goes or something breaks. or Which luckily I haven't broken really anything in a while. So speaking of not breaking anything in a while... We talked about what you called the first life of your Jeep, I believe. Uh, yeah. Do you want to kind of walk us through where it went from there? Um, was there ever leaf springs in the rig or like mm, no. more of from... what's going on? Cause... Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Go uh, ahead. Sorry. <laughs> uh, nah, from day one, it, it got links. Um, and, uh, you know, it started out with a stock 14-volt shaft. Stock 60 inners with like the 35 spline outers for the front. Um, we held it for a little while. Then I was in Harlan and I broke a 14 bolt shaft. So I. What obstacle? Uh, I think waterfall. Uh, waterfall. I we didn't end up doing that one. We did rail bed and that was a wild party. Yeah, I went a little too hard left and there used to be a tree there and I went right up under that tree. And it bound up and just snapped the shaft pretty much instantly. So I picked up a set of Yukon shafts. And uh, within two or three months, I had broken those. So sold those. Um, and it coincident the same time I broke the Yukon shaft, I also broke a front Yukon shaft and a front spicer. Because um, I had to get out of where I was broken. 
And uh, so I sold all those, picked up RCVs front and rear, um, which have held up great. And at some point, I uh, I think the, f- the first day I put on 40s, I went to the Hard Rock, the park I was talking about in Ocala, and uh, broke the Dana 300. So Ooh. I fixed that, um, wheeled a little longer, then sold it and picked up a 205 and bought a uh, NWF Titan box and threw that in there. And that thing's been phenomenal. It's. I don't think I've ever even heard of a Titan box. What is, is it kind of like a Atlas, but from a different company pretty much or it's, um, you ever heard of like the eco box or the black box? Gotcha. Yeah. They have like a shorter version, which comes with this huge one piece shaft and everything like that. It's all billet. It's all really nice. Uh, and it, it, it's held up. And it's I mean, like the, the 205 has been pretty bomb proof. Oh, sorry. It's the upgrade from what Graham has. Um, Graham's rig, which it really sucks that he's not here, but he's got a, um, it used to be a Dana 50, Sterling 10.5, 40 AX15, uh, Ecobox, NP205 with a hybrid cage on it. So All right. Decent rig, 37 non-sticky traps, and the last Harlan trip, he, well, the last two trips it's been on, he ate a Dana 50 ring gear um, each trip, <laughs> so that housing is gone, and he's putting in uh, 0.5+, plus. he's got a set of Maxis razors, oh, excuse right. me, going on it, and a set of sticky crawlers for it. So, yeah. All right. But um, his rig's really, really nice with that doubler setup. It makes me jealous all the time of the fact that you can just drop it in and go. Yeah. Also, uh, sorry, God. No, uh, I was just saying, like, I, I, ever since the 231-300 I was running, and I, I don't know if I'd ever wheel again without a doubler. I just, I enjoy multiple options. I've been meaning yeah. to do one. But I just, I have too many other problems with the rig before I can even get there. And then by the time that you add in doing the LS, like you said, it's all the supporting mods that add up. What's the extra cost for a 4.3 Atlas? Uh, I've, yeah, three grand in nine months these days. Ooh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that, that weight on those Atlases is crazy right now. I didn't realize it got that crazy, but I haven't even looked at putting one of those in yet. It's just been, um, recently it got a four link and I stretched the rear another six inches. So it's, you know, 110 inch wheelbase on 40 inch nettos and hybrid cage that I had to tie in. Um, I kind of copied your rear set up a little bit because I liked how you did the rear tubes and worked out really nice. Yeah, I've, I've changed that rear a little bit a, a few times throughout the years. I'm finally kind of happy with it now. Um, just, I like what it's you hard did to... with the taillights. That was yeah. sweet. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. No, you're good. Uh, I was saying, I thought it would protect the taillights, but I've got to keep breaking those down too. <laughs> That's got what about your headlights? 
Uh, I'm just used to replacing glass and taillights at this point. <laughs> I have somehow not blown out my rear glass. I don't know how. The amount of times that like I've been rubbing up against something, expecting it to pop, and it just kind of like flexes in and goes back out. It's impressive. Sadly, I have not rolled my rig yet, so I'm sure when that day comes, those windows will start popping very soon. Yeah, I uh, just I, I like glass too much. Oh, actually, I liked glass. Now I'm starting to put polycarbonate in instead. I'm kind of done picking oh, up glass in the back of the Jeep. <laughs> yeah, or picking it off trail. I I blew up yeah. my rear glass once. I'm like, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> I've gotten really lucky on my two-door. It hasn't popped the side windows, but my little sister's first trip of riding with me, we uh, blew the damn rear glass clean in with a nice branch through it, so we got oh. a little spray of glass, and then we had to go and dig it all out of a muddy creek at Kish's property. Because... Yeah, but it sure was funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember that. When um, did you? Was I? Yeah, I was there because I met your sister. Yep. But I don't remember you blowing anything out. I blew oh. it out early in the morning, and I blew it out on I forget the name literally of the obstacle. first obstacle. But oh, jeez. Going into Devil's Den. That obstacle. Hmm. Uh, you know the big flat rock where you come up from the creek bed and you're going, you have to just like mat it up that. Uh, what the fuck were we calling that? My brain's not working. You, it's been like six You remember months. where I uh, blew my axle shaft, Cody, at my house and it took me forever to get the Jeep off the obstacle because I had the uh, brake caliper issues? Yes, sorry. Uh, I just realized my mic was muted. My apologies. Um, yes, yes. Oh, That's what? Right. Dude, I don't yeah. remember that at all. I, I wonder if I came there's later. There's still glass then. in the creek. I um, It hopped on me, and I went to back down, and I ended up hitting the tree back there because I just like clutched in to catch it from trying to go sideways. Um. And I suppose, Nick, that's going to be an interesting thing with you, seeing, like, when you're driving manual, you just get used to being able to clutch in and get out of stuff. That's going to be weird with an auto. Yeah, I'm convinced I'm going to uh, probably roll it backwards within the first trip or two. You know uh, just... who um, Jason Ramsey is? Yeah. Yeah, we were at Railbed. And he had the stupidest flop ever because he's got a gated shifter and he got up on the obstacle, front end went up, and he went to go for a reverse. He missed reverse and hit park and the thing oh. just flopped over. It was yeah. quite That is hilarious. <laughs> Not a yeah. bad flop either. It was pretty gentle. But huh. you know where that tree is on lower rail bed? Uh yeah, right right at the waterfall. Or are you talking about like further up and no, right at the waterfall. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he went right up over into that and slid down. All right. Um. So, you want to tell me about how you did your four link? I've already internet stalked it, but I thought it was pretty fucking cool. 
uh yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of on the mindset of like everything tucked up as high as i can get it on this jeep and in order to do that with the rear and to have not awful separation you got to kind of go through the floorboard so i found a good spot for <clears throat> most of the links to be pretty much right under the rear seats yep. um, so i got a big two inch uh quarter wall dom tube that goes there and then the pictures are kind of outdated because I've changed the way I tied it in since then. Um, Cause now it ties to my cage and it ties to my sliders. Um, but what it, yeah. And also it comes down and ties into the lower link cross member, which I have going through the frame rails from side to side. Um, the, I mean, it's all kind of, it, it's kind of a big structural part right now. Um, it's obviously non-removable, but it's a, uh, all tucks up under the rear passenger seat you can shut it down everything's pretty well protected those joints have stayed alive they don't get covered in mud and dirt and the separation's good so it's been handling pretty well it seems to be pretty responsive going up hills the way i need it to be yeah i really like the way you did it so i modified some of what you did and i took a i think it was three by three angle and okay. i plated the whole inside section for about 24 inches aside um and slit the angle and pulled it all in and then welded that into the unibody then okay. i took some square or rectangular tube and put it in at a very slight angle um facing a little bit towards the rear of the jeep went up through the floor, welded my link towers in on top of that with the lower joints um, being the flat, not tabs, but like the angled brackets um, for the double triangulated setup. And then I tied that, the upper link towers and everything else into the cage node. And then from there back into the shock hoops. I know to hold up. <clears throat> I'm hoping uh, it's going to yeah. take an act of God to remove it, and the roll cage and sliders are going with it. But see, but if there's anybody out here that I know can make that happen, it's you. So don't talk too loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and with my driving style, it depends on the day and it depends on the park. If I know the obstacle, I'll get much more wild. Or if right. I've got a crowd, I'll get much more wild, especially when it's JK or JL people because they piss me off. Right. Yeah. Um, if he sees a rock, he gets wild. Maybe. Um, you know, so like watching your build, it's a lot of cool ideas to pick up. And they worked out really well for me, even though they're not quite the same. They're a little bit less refined. Uh, I wouldn't call mine refined. I, I've had to make changes to it over the years to right. kind of get it hold. Because the the way I had it in those pictures, I I started noticing a little bit of movement there. So that's why I tied it. It's tied in the cage now. And it's tied in the slider. So it's it's pretty damn rigid now. Um, but it took a little changes to get there. Um, also one of the really weird pictures that's always stuck with me was a picture of your old two door with that eight, eight, like hanging on the floor uh -huh. when you had everything disconnected. 
I didn't even know that was possible for an axle to do at that time, so that was cool as shit to me. And I'd been kind of obsessed with, like, four lengths for a while as a result of that. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that one messed with a few people for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just wild how much nicer a good four link is. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I got friends with leaf springs, and they're usually bouncing up and down, trying to get through these obstacles. And some Toyota buddies constantly breaking leaf springs, and I just didn't want to be a part of that. Nope. Well, some of us go. are fucking poor, okay, you guys, and your fucking four links, you fancy ass coil over having ass, okay? I'm you with know, you, Cody. My leaf springs don't even bend in the center; they bend after the axle. Okay, I have the worst shackle angle, but I'm still nice. having fun. So fuck you guys. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure it's fun. <laughs> the best part was at Harlan deciding that I wanted to go for a quick rip with it. And doing 45 the whole way up the mountain. Like, you know, the uh, main entrance? Uh, yeah. We managed to make it all the way up to the first plateau in, like, five minutes. So we were wow. fucking hauling ass from the lower campsites. Man. I'm never with a group that can go that fast. Uh, They're usually... Myself and Colin Bates. All right. <laughs> Colin tends to try yeah, to. He, he knows who that is. Look. I don't know, I know who Colin who is. Might. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's a uh, deep form days. Yeah. I was going to say he's an action nerd. So, yeah. I'm that sure. That makes sense. <laughs> but I feel stupid. You know, I feel I feel sad that I never was able to get into Naxxia. I got into Jeeps a lot later than most people my age. So, like. I mean, granted, I'm only 24, but still, like, most people of this era got into it when they were 16 and then went through their paces, had, having to go through Google and then Google this, and then Google brings them to Naxxia or to some forum. And Pirate I missed 4x4. Four four, yeah, see, like, I never, got, I never got to experience any of that stuff. It makes me sad, you know? Wish I could have seen people's, like, I don't know, like, even, even back when I first got, like, my ZJ, which was my first ever Jeep, like I would look stuff up and it would come up with these Naxxia posts or other posts of that nature. And I just, I don't know. It seemed like it would have been a really cool place to learn shit and be able to, where nowadays people just YouTube share or they go to Facebook and ask about it where right. it, I don't know. It's going to sound like a boomer, but like, seems like people would have learned more through reading and actually trying to figure it out themselves where. Oh, I love the forums, man. That, that, I, I was kind of mad when they start all started dying, but Facebook's not quite the same. Instagram's yeah. definitely not the same. Definitely not. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I of, definitely wouldn't be looking at Instagram for tech advice. No, there's, no. There's pictures of cool builds that you can't really find anywhere else. That's one big thing for Instagram for me, is I can see oh, stuff people are doing because sure. they don't post anywhere else unfortunately that's true actually yeah especially if they're younger people too then it's kind of like their go-to place for social media posting for the jeeps but yeah generally i don't know i feel like i find most of my information either through like friends or facebook i feel like i've never really found anything unless i'm just looking in the wrong places uh but i feel like instagram never comes up with stuff that's actually tangible it always seems like 
It's just like uh, mall crawlers with like rock crawler shit onto them. It seems. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely a lot of that. Uh, my favorite, like my favorite stuff would be like going to uh, Jeep shows. My girl has a TJ and she likes going to the Jeep shows and showing off and shit. So I, I'll bring my Cherokee and I'll flex up on her tire. You know, people love it. My favorite is when like people are so excited to come up and talk to me and I then obviously I'm going to chat with them. I have no problem talking to people. And then um they show me their rig and it's like the cleanest cherokee i've ever seen in my life and i'm like oh and you want to wheel that i'm like there's like not even a ding on it and it, it just gets me riled up because it's like wow these people actually like keep their cherokees clean this is new <laughs> what yeah yeah there's uh, uh the, the the one that's like stick uh like sticking out in my mind is this girl she was probably younger. I mean, she must have been like 17, 18, and um, she was with her dad. And she seemed just so excited to like learn stuff. And he was asking me all these questions. And like she pointed out her rig. And I mean, legitimately, it was cleaner than my rig when I bought it. And mine was immaculate. I was just so impressed that it was actually still decent. So the trick is you buy garbage for 300 bucks, And then you don't feel bad about what happens to it when you're into it for 10 k my garbage was nice and it was only 500 and i just stole it from an old lady okay <laughs> i just got a deal of a lifetime and told her that the rear main was leaking it was gonna cost me a million dollars to fix it and she was like oh, okay 500 500 i'm like let's fucking go i see <laughs> nice. the run with a bad trans but you know that's what part yeah. styles are for i don't need to be hearing about you blowing trannies okay weirdo <laughs> Well, in this setting, it's that acceptable. Actual. In what? other settings, it's not acceptable. It's 2022. I think it's acceptable, Luke. You can talk about it, man. That's all you, buddy. Uh, yeah, but... We can talk about blowing trainees. We can talk about getting pegged. Oh, it's, it's a whole new oh, world. Come on. Oh. Man, we're going into that. So my biggest problem with blowing trannies is I can't keep the pumps in an AW4 happy. I keep shitting them out too uh no. killed three of them in various jeeps and it's always the front pump seal letting go and eating the pump that's uh that's unusual uh, uh. whenever whenever luke tells anybody about his problems that he has with his jeep their answer is usually that that's unusual i've never had that happen and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i mean multiple aw4 problems those are usually pretty stout um <laughs> So the other thing you have to understand is I don't care about 4 liters and I really don't care about AW4s. So it's like, oh, hey, can I pull that out of the Jeep that's wrecked in your backyard? Oh, it's got 350,000 miles on it. Did it shift? Yeah, like a bag of shit. Okay, sweet. We'll throw that in and I'm going crawling next weekend. Um <laughs> We got motor swaps down to an eight-hour ordeal from running, not running again, and, like, pulling out of the shop and driving it home. So, well, I think it's quicker than eight hours. We had we had the other one completely torn apart within 30 minutes. So I don't feel like eight hours is a very we, fair statement. We had that one on the floor in an hour and 15 it's the swapping the electrical over and all that that makes it the eight hours. It's uh, not the fire. actual putting it back yeah. in. Uh, or we'll have a uh, leaking fuel line 
and yeah. not be able to figure out what the fuck was going on. Fuck those. That was, f- Ugh. Injector. Whatever. Oh, is that what that was? I can't remember exactly what it was that was being a pain in the ass, but... I had that fucking fuel rail on and off about five times trying to get it right, and then I ended up having to grease the injector O-rings uh, with red and tacky, and somehow that's held. Huh. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. I've guys. never used that for O-ring lube before. Uh, for reference, it was... Uh, about 11.45 in the evening and right. all the parts stores were closed and I was driving that fucker home. Right. So. Oh, was that when your truck was having problems too? Yes. Oh, jeez. Good times, good times. Yep. <laughs> um, so, on another entirely separate topic, but we always ask this, what's your favorite tire? And what's your what's your most hated tire? All right, so it for me it's kind of a multiple answer thing. Like as far as having fun and you know, kind of a party tire, I'm really loving these USDs. But as like a hardcore rock roller tire, those uh the treps I had before the sticky forties, mm-hmm. by far the grippiest tire I've ever ran before. Really? Uh, yeah, they they work pretty well so, uh, in most situations outside of stickies what would you say is your favorite tire uh nittos oh i'm sorry all right so <laughs> I, I as a good combination of traction and basically being tough the trail grapplers Hell i think yeah. are pretty i've been Lame. so <laughs> the uh if falcon made a 40 inch um you know, MT, I would probably put that in front of the Nittos as far as, like, a good all-around, like, street weekend warrior tire. But since they don't, uh, they get to go to the bottom of the list. Because um, <laughs> I, I love the – I had a set of 38s that I rode around for a while, and they, they work surprisingly well for how non-aggressive that tire looks. So were you the guy to talk to about getting the stickies, or did that die off? The sticky falcons. what? Um, sticky falcons. I've had a, f- I, I had a, I've had two sets. Actually, I've had three sets of the thirty eights. Um, oh. Yeah, the, the apparently the, cause they well they gave me two sets on the UA and then I bought another set, um, later on. But uh, I don't know. Those things are almost impossible to get. I got a buddy who works for Falcon, and he can't even get a set of those. That's Damn. why I was so surprised because, like, I, um, I don't know. I follow pretty often with tire things that I've been hearing that, like, for the past year or so, right, almost two years now that they are very, very difficult to get. The, um, so it used to be like a, basically they only made some for select race teams, which I think now they've moved mainly to like the thirty-seven again, and only for UA. Wow. So the Wait, UA only for would UA? get like in select race teams. Um, so, it was never really released anywhere else. I can I can understand that because UA, which is Ultimate Adventure, for anybody listening who doesn't. Okay, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, people just might not know. So that is probably one of the best marketing things that they can ever come out with because if they like, especially if to the general public, 
that a sticky is not available. So the general public is going to see this Falcon and be like, oh, that has to be a normal DOT tire because I've never even heard of a Falcon sticky. And then they they give you guys Falcon stickies. Yep, you can run them on the road. You're probably going to burn up the set within the uh, the week that you're driving because you do how many miles roughly on road? Uh, generally, they do somewhere between you know around 1,000, 1,500 miles. That's a lot of road miles on a sticky. That's yeah. that's a shit ton. So uh, I think it's more of like a half sticky. They they held up pretty well. I drove on the street with a set of thirty eights for fucking uh I don't know maybe a year or so. Are they kind of wow. like the, the um the Nitto K specs? Uh, I can't really speak personal experience. I almost bought a set of K specs, but I that didn't work out. Um, I've heard those are weird like they're pretty grippy but they're also really hard so i'm not exactly sure so which one's true i've never wheeled with a set that i knew about at least i'm not sure what my tires are they all have a k with a circle around it on them (laughs) but i bought them through a normal tire um supplier really nice guy did a ton of business with him but they've all got a k uh following the Nitto Trail Grappler logo, but it's um, not I'm, like a big K. It's just like a K in a circle. So if if they're the actual race K specs, they will say not for highway use on them? Then that's not what I got. Yeah, I know for a while every Nitto was a K spec. Um, for the Trail Grapplers, they had that for a while, and then I think they started dividing it up a little more to the K specs being a race program only tire, which... yeah. Those are harder to get than the Falcons, in my opinion. Because I fucking love those tires. The only thing I don't love now is that they jacked the price 100 bucks last year. Oh, hey, yeah. My, that's my everybody. Generals, yeah, I was going to say, my Generals are up 120, and those are only for 35, so... Yeah. 100 bucks for a 40 really ain't that bad. I know, but it's still 520 bucks for a fucking tire. Like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Uh yeah, it, uh, <laughs> stickies are a lot worse. Uh, what was Dwight saying? His were like seven ninety a tire. He's got the forty three SXs, right? Yeah, that boy. Likes yeah, those are too. I so. I think you could if you find the right time, you could probably get a set of those mid seven hundreds. The I think the Treps are damn near eight hundred something dollars a tire for forties, yep. and my oh USDs my are. 765 attire for the 40s. God damn. So what made you go with the USDs? Uh, USDs nuts, sorry. Yeah, they look cool. <laughs> I mean, that's right. a lot of my decisions is if it's right. cool, I want to try it. Um, and they're I still can't pretty new. with that. Yeah. Oh, they're they're insanely tough tire. They're pretty grippy and they just they tear shit up more than anything. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like they tear shit up and break rocks. Yeah, they remove like material. <laughs> Usually, uh, I I know they showed it on one of those flex rocks and rollovers videos, but the hole I dug at the beginning of that first obstacle was insane, and I it, I didn't even have to try that hard. Damn. I don't know. Um, They're fun you know, for sure. Brad. Uh, what's his last name? Um, he wheels with the Trail Trash crew. 
I don't know if you know them, but he's friends with Dwight. He just picked up a set of USDs, and he's got a white... Um, oh, uh, the pork chop? Yeah, yeah pork, pork chop. chop. Yeah. Yeah, that rig's going to be fucking dirty, especially around here. Yeah, has he has he wheeled on them yet? He hasn't wheeled on them yet. Um, I know he was rebuilding his front axle because he blew up that Eaton locker. Um and like grenaded it so i don't know what he was putting on but we were gonna have him back on to talk again uh and see what he was thinking possibly leading up to their event um but he's running them i forget who else around here i know that they're really popular with the rock bouncers um uh, in well, this area two, 242 mike i think was running them at one point um yeah um, mike i believe cam Udemark also oh yeah 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 he's got him on his uh race buggy that thing's <clears throat> fucking stupid it's so over the top it's awesome yeah i know he he comes down to the mountain like to the south at least a few times or he's done one or two of their races right yeah I think the only thing that would make that thing cooler is if it was a turbo buggy, but he's already putting down, <laughs> what, 700-plus horsepower already? Oh, my God. Yeah, he does not need a fucking turbo. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Eh, like, a 5 know, PSI a would put that thing PS easy to 1,000. horsepower. Like, 5 PSI. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, hold on, hold on. We have two huge things that we are glossing over that we keep just tickling. Okay. Uh, what's He's his been least in... favorite tire? We missed that. Uh, That's what I was just gonna say. Okay. Let's oh, go least on. favorite tire. Uh, I, I'm. I mean, honestly, me. My my MTRs are probably the least favorite I've ran. Really? Sidewalls, huh? Yeah. I yeah. I, I bought into the whole Kevlar sidewall thing. Um. It's not true. Colin yeah, well, I mean, it might be true, but that doesn't stop rocks and stumps from cutting them up. Um, and they really weren't that grippy. Uh, I liked them when I had them, but I didn't realize how much uh, they weren't that great until I got a different tire. <laughs> Once I threw the Nittos on, it was way different. They outperformed it on the street, on the trail, because I used to daily drive the thing everywhere. Um, That's kind of where my rig is once i get some of the other issues like the shitty rear drive shaft and the um not running when it's hot um happily squared away i plan on dailying my rig this summer just you know nice weather take the doors off two door on 40s fuck yeah it, it's a good way to make sure your uh, Jeep stays uh, maintained. Yeah. Because um, the second I started trailer in mine, I started neglecting it. Um, I let a lot of things ride for a lot longer than they should ride now that I don't have to drive it home. Honestly, most of the people that uh, I know that trailer have the most problems with like reliability or like maintenance issues. And yeah. I, again, I can't can't fault them. I get it. If you don't drive it or wheel it as often, then you're not going to recognize the bullshit. But 100%, I agree with that statement. Yeah, because I used to, I mean, I'm sure I could probably go over it and fix it because I've got so many bent links now. There's no way the alignment's anywhere close to where it should be. Um, 
like I used to have no problem hopping in and I would drive 600 miles to Windrock or Harlan. I'd wheel for a week and then I'd drive home in it wow. uh, pretty confidently. And it would, I, I'd need a little more prep time now <laughs> and a different set of tires, but I wish I could be that confident in my rig again, but I just don't have it. Like rip the track bar mount off. So it's now like, the whole inner frame rail area in there is plated. The track bar's got, like, a triangular brace built off of a piece of tubing all the way up to, like, right by the steering box area and, you know, forming the quarter-inch plate to that. But I still just don't trust it the way that I used to. It's understandable. Yeah. When you start watching your frame rails doing the whole, like, moving apart thing, even though the cross member and the bumper are welded on, uh, you start squinting at it a little bit. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> my rig's, like, 300,000 miles in the unibody. It's been crashed hard enough that um, even though I tried to build the cage square, it's not square. Um it's been hit hard enough that it bowed the whole cage over, so it overhangs one side like a good inch now. Um, it's just a clap wagon, but it's my clap wagon. It happens, man. You wheel something long enough, it's going to change shape. Um, I've only had this rig for like three and a half years, but I really kind of like cut my teeth, if you will, on not baby trails in it right yeah even when you had even when you're at like the same setup that i'm currently at you always 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 push the envelope so yeah i was running blacks and baby reds on 35s with a three link and you know two fucked up these springs leaf, or two and a half <laughs> of lift bad leaf springs and auto parts store shocks nice um, um all right can i ask my questions now fuckers i'm very curious no. all right so you've been on two prominent shows i mean the uh rigs rocks and rollovers is it's a youtube series and so is the uh ua but we'll call them shows just for the ease of conversation um so which one would you like to talk about first? You can kind of go into that. But, like, what what's the whole process of, like, I don't know. I've never even experienced something of that nature. Um, like, what's the process of getting involved, like, actually going along with it and all of that? How'd that go? Uh, well, I mean, with the Ultimate Adventure to – I mean, that's pretty much as simple as uh, just uh, applying. Um, I know what might have helped is literally, like, a – uh, Christian Hazel, he was the editor, or he's probably still is now, but he was the editor, like just starting when I got pictured the Ultimate Adventure, and he had also been partially involved with JP Magazine, and I had just gotten like a a cover on it too around that time too. Oh shit! Um, so I think that might have helped me get on because they recognized, I guess, the Jeep from the application and from the magazine. Oh, uh, but. I don't know. The, the UA was cool because it's like a, it was a good test for me. Um, it's a good way to test your, you know, your rig, your patience, um, your say so. friendship with your co-driver. Um, 
because uh, I mean, they, the way they do it, it's just kind of like a, you know, you apply, you wait, you wait, you wait. They don't really hear anything, and then one day you get a phone call saying you're, you know, they called it like the dirty dozen. You're like one of the top twelve finalists, and it's like, all right, cool. And they kind of give you a little um, information. I think like they told me general region, like I think they said like southwest area of the u.s is where it would be and they asked if there was going to be any kind of possibility of me being able to get over there of course you know i say yes and you know they ask if your rig's all together and everything's like yep ready to go doing all that and then one day you get a call and then uh they'll tell you that you know they you have been selected they'll tell you where to go and usually it's like i don't know three weeks you have to prep and get your shit in order before you have to be there at this week. I think I had three weeks from the time he called me and told me I made it to where I had to, it was a 33, 34 hour drive from Jacksonville to Phoenix. What the fuck? I mean, how the fuck do you prepare something like that in three weeks? Uh, it, I, Well, the second they, I had an idea that I might make it, I kind of started getting stuff in order. But the second they tell you you made it, then you start talking to people, you know, talk mm-hmm. to the Falcon rep and the Rugged Radios rep because they want to get you kind of set up for the trip. And so they send you their tires and radios and seats and stuff and whatever else the sponsor is doing at that time. Um, get it all together. All that stuff after the event? Sorry to cut you off. I was just. Oh, what was the question? Were you able to keep all that stuff after you did the event, like after you were finished? Yeah. Yeah, everything's wow. yours. Um, as long as you do the trip and and like with the tires, um, you didn't have to run the Falcons, but if they sent you Falcons and you wanted to keep them, then you had to run them. Um, oh, okay. So otherwise, I probably would have kept my 40s on instead of going to 38s. But um, hey, yeah, so free tires. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, free tires are free tires. I'm I'll I'll run whatever tire if it's free. <laughs> right. But yeah, got off work one day. Uh, we hopped in around like you know evening time and just booked it west. Um, stopped for like three or four hours in El Paso to sleep at like the worst fucking hotel I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> what um, hotel? It. I honestly I don't remember the name, but it was like twenty five dollars a night. Oh my god. Uh, um, what side of town was it on? Which- uh. I'm not that familiar with El Paso, um, to be honest. I just know we got there. We checked in. I walked to the room. uh, I looked at my co-driver. I was like, man, I'm – because I looked out where my Jeep was because it was sitting on the trailer attached to the tow rig. And um, I was like, "Uh, I don't really trust it out there. So I went and actually slept in the tow rig. My co-driver slept in the hotel room, (laughs) slept for a few hours, got up. You know and, it's a fucked up hotel when you're like, eh, I'll sleep with the truck. <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, this is this is like uh, the end of June, so it is. I it had to have been like 105 degrees at two o'clock in the morning when we rolled into El Paso. Yeah. Felt like a hair dryer was going off when we got there. So oh, you know it's hot God. as fuck in that tow truck, just laying down. Um, you know, get up a few hours later book at the Phoenix to make it to the starting point in time. Um, so it was, aside from that couple hours of stopping aside from fuel, it was just a straight drive from Jacksonville to Phoenix. Oh um, shit. Not sure I'd do that again. Um, 
But that yeah, you get to the starting right. point, check in, meet everybody. And next morning you wake up and you just start the trip. Uh, I don't know if y'all wanted to hear about that trip a little bit or not. Yeah. But, Fuck yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. So uh, day one, get up in the morning, super excited, walk out to the Jeep. Everyone's kind of starting their shit, getting it running and finishing their packing and stuff. We're getting ready to roll out in like 10 minutes. I go to start it up, super loud screeching. Oh, God. Like super loud screeching. Um, and then suddenly I hear this loud pop. I see a belt uh, fly out from under the Jeep. <laughs> um, the AC compressor decided it was going to seize up right then. Oh my uh, gosh. And blew the belt off. So I sent my co-driver like, oh, we're no shit about to pull out. I got my co-driver into one of the other rigs. They went up to an O'Reilly's down the street. I was originally going to get like an AC bypass pulley because there's kind of an unwritten rule about running AC on the UA. Um, that they usually, they, I mean, there's nothing they do about it, but they will bother you a little bit if you're running AC. Um, are you serious? I was gonna have them not allowed. No, it, no it's, it's just like, it's you're supposed to be like roughing it. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Most of the guys there, they don't have AC anyways because they didn't plan ahead. Um, <laughs> uh, we're in Phoenix in the summer. I was gonna use AC, but you know, originally, well, I was just gonna get a bypass pulley, save me, you know, 200 bucks. They didn't have it, so I ended up buying a new compressor, put a compressor on, we charged it up. What? We held the group up like five or ten minutes, but it wouldn't have mattered because they wouldn't have left right away anyways. And um. So we leave, we're on the trail. Uh, I, it's some trail right outside of Phoenix is where we started. Uh, we're going through, climbing rocks, great day. We're sitting there. Right, well, the big thing about the UA is they're constantly taking pictures and setting up shots. So it's pretty much drive 100 feet, stop. They got to reposition their cameras. They got to do all that get you ready for the next shot so they can get their rolling shots or whatever. And, uh, it keeps, so it's just a full day of doing that. What could take, you know, a small group of rigs, 15, 20 minutes to run through a trail takes about, I think there's 20 something rigs out there between all the sponsors, camera crew and the readers they invite. And then I don't know how many people, you know, we spend the whole day on the trail. So we're sitting there idling out of nowhere, uh, small explosion in the hood um brand new mishimoto radiator i bought decided to explode oh my god yeah so another trip to o'reilly's uh got a new radiator threw that in there (laughs) at least those are pretty easy those are like a no-brainer few bolts and slaps they are yeah i was gonna say richie richie knows those a little too well (laughs) yeah i got that radiator radiator down to a half an hour job or less. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't a bad swap. It was just really inconvenient. And that radiator that I blew up was r- really new. I bought it for the ultimate adventure trip. Uh, oh. And it just cracked. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. I, I was not a happy person at that point. Um, <laughs> Cuz obviously I'm irritated the radiator blew and then the uh, what they like to do is when something happens, they like to put a camera in your face. Oh god. <laughs> Um, so you're already stressed as it is. You're mildly embarrassed, and then they're just like, "Hey, talk about how you feel like a shit bag right now." It's like, "Well, yeah, oh, they, thanks." Like, <laughs> "Hey, so what, what's going on?" It's like, "Well, it uh, looks like my radiator blew." So, what are you gonna do about it? Like, ah, uh, dude, you have to give me a minute, man. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about it yet. And I, it was a little back and forth. 
yeah, it was a little back and forth attitude, and they uh, obviously ended up not using that clip. Um, but you know, and they eased up a little bit on the filming of me for the rest of the week too. Uh, <laughs> they were like, "Oh, this guy's not chill. Got it." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it was fine right after, but uh, I'm cool with breaking stuff. It's just there was a lot of stuff that led up to that trip um, that to break on the or it's not even really a break but to have that issue on like the first day yeah, it was a little frustrating yep. and you have no time to think about it before they're just hammering you with questions about it yeah that's got to be annoying especially because it's like you just got there you're you know your rig's going and then you blew a 350 or 450 dollar radiator and that, you know, when we got in Phoenix, it was evening time, or it was like late afternoon. So we're chilling out, meeting people, and we probably slept five or six hours before we had to get up. And so we're we're riding on not a whole lot of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, this sounds uh, like it, an overgrown backyard built adventure. <laughs> so, so, and to clarify, so real quick, uh, Nick, when did this happen? The UA? Yeah. yeah. What, what year? Uh, 2017. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. So not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, it was a few years ago. Um, five years. There's their ago Phoenix now. and Southern oh my, Utah one. Oh my God, you're right. It is five years ago now. Holy shit. Yeah, I would say the Jeep's a little different than it was then. <laughs> so we'll keep going. Tell us a little bit more. What was like? What was the rest of it? Uh, I mean, it overall it wasn't too bad. I mean, we found out we were pretty unprepared for the most part um for the overlanding i guess side of the ua uh where everyone you know we get to camp we're living about as uh rustic as we can with our tent and our really shitty propane stove and uh every, other people are making steaks and full vegetable plates and all that kind of shit I'm like oh damn they're, they're they, like they were a lot better yeah no, we were <laughs> We were cooking hot dogs on a propane stove with like <laughs> uh, pop tarts and other shit. It, <laughs> Tell we, you, uh, next time, lunchables. They stay yeah. great in the cooler and they're great. They're just, you're so happy to eat a lunchable halfway through a trail. It's great. This well, is- what we ended up doing is um, it wasn't super necessary because it was hot as shit, but we would get those frozen burritos and beginning in the morning, I just throw them on the intake manifold. About lunchtime, they were nice, hot. It was a good <laughs> lunch. Ready to go. Yeah. And this definitely sounds like an overgrown backyard built adventure. Like what happens if we get together for more than a weekend? What he's referring to is our club name for the NEA, which is the New England Off-Road Association. Our club name is Backyard Built. So just to give you a okay. little heads up, Nick, yeah. yeah so was we- it was it worth it though? You went through all those troubles. You had three weeks to get it ready. You had all these headaches. Was the wheeling cool? Was like, were the people cool? Like, what was the end all result? Hey, everyone's cool. Uh, you know, I, all the readers, everything were cool. The sponsors were cool. Their cronies and all the magazine people were were cool. Everyone was really nice. Um, I I still think it was worth it. I mean that and the that radiator stuff wasn't even the worst part. Like. Um, what was the worst? Throughout the week, I had found out that how um, up until that week, the most reliable thing on my Jeep had been the engine. Um, never been an issue. 
throughout that week with the Jeep completely loaded down and we were going like multiple days from like, you know, a thousand feet above sea level to 9,000 feet above sea level. Wow. And I was beating the hell out of that Jeep, trying to get it up some of those roads that they were driving on. Um, it had started to smoke throughout the week and started spitting out oil everywhere. Uh, and then I, I don't remember. I think we were like one of the last days we were bombing through the desert and, uh, I noticed it started misfiring and, um, I look out and I start smelling oil and the whole side of the Jeep is just covered in an engine oil. Uh, and this is, uh, right around the Southern Utah area. So we're talking, I think, uh, 400 something miles from Phoenix. Um, uh, we ended up in like in hurricane Utah where sand hollow is. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I get there, it's, it's almost like I'm driving a train I'm driving and it's just pouring out smoke. Um, I dump a bunch of, uh, Lucas in it. It doesn't really do anything. Um, and it gets to the point where it's pumping out about a quart of oil, uh, every half mile or so driving down some of those trails. Jesus. Uh, yeah. So wow. we, yeah, um, at that point I'm a little, little concerned. Um, and I noticed the compression shit. I noticed running low on power. So we finish up last day. Uh, we decided to get up super early cause we, we were trying to figure out, a, I didn't really want to drive it back to Phoenix cause that's 400 miles through, uh, basically the Arizona and Utah mountains to get back to Phoenix to where the trailer was. Yeah. Um, so we were like brainstorming ideas. I was going to send my uh, co-driver. He was going to go with the Skyjacker guys. They were going to take him to, uh, to the airport and he was going to rent a, or he was going to rent a car then drive to Phoenix, grab the truck and trailer, drive back to me. But none of those plans were working out. So we got up super early and drove that thing, uh, misfiring and burning oil. Uh, home or but not home, uh, all the way to Phoenix. So super early in the morning, um, and just started going. It's spitting out all everywhere. We're stopping in every gas station and honestly buying every bit of oil and gear oil they have on the shelf. Um, so we get there, we're pulling off the side of the road, topping it all off. I'm like I said, I'm pouring gear oil in this thing at that point. Um, and I. I don't know the exact number, but I can imagine it was somewhere around 10 or 15 gallons uh, of oil and a, probably the same in gear roll that I put through that motor in that 400 miles to get oh, back to the trailer. You, you should have just stopped at like a tractor supply or some shit and bought fucking five gallon bales. <laughs> yeah, there, there was no tractor. There was just a uh, little tiny hole in the wall gas stations during that path. Uh, and this is going up grades too, man. It it was harsh getting back. Ended up finding out it had a whole bunch of broken pistons in it. But um, <laughs> so you hold on now. So you have blown two motors on both the shows. Well, okay. So I guess this just leads right into what you said, where people put a camera in your face, and you start acting dumb. So <laughs> well, I wasn't even acting dumb on the Ultimate Adventure. Oh, like, they okay. kept a, they kept us to. Every time I wanted to go do something really cool, uh, they kept uh, basically convincing me to wheel for the week and not for the day, which uh, is their way of saying they just don't want you to break and uh, have to leave. Um, yep. I mean, I understand that, though. 
But like, fuck it. If if it's like the one time that you're gonna be going out that way and you see a cool obstacle, yeah. like you're gonna want to fucking do it. Like I get that for sure. Yeah, because there's a ton of cool stuff in Arizona. Uh, lots of yeah. really big cool obstacles. But uh, every time I tried to get over to one, they were really trying to talk me out of it. And the few things I did do, it was cool. Um, it's super grippy over there, so it's mostly just kind of. A picture worthy stuff. Um, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I know, obviously, there's parts of Arizona that are insane, but they didn't take us to those parts. Lame. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you got to look at the stuff they're trying to get through. It's not like a hardcore rock crawling adventure. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. It's and not they got to like... get camera crews through. Oh, yeah. that's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like thrown together, you know, like Chris's um, trip where they go to like Roush, Harlan, um, and what's the other park that they're hitting? I forget which one, but you know, they're out there to rock crawl and they're going to beat the brakes off their rigs. It's not the same thing. So, yeah, um, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, that. We we did something similar to that uh, with a few Alabama parks, uh, which was pretty cool. Uh, was not like a big thing, but like four or five of us, we the shop I was at, we all went up there and spent a week wheeling and driving between three or four different parks. That's pretty and cool. Actually doing cool obstacles. Yeah, I'm super excited to go to AOP <laughs> and Choco. Um, I'm now in Tennessee, like on the southern side right at the Georgia border. So okay. getting to like AOP and Choco, it's the same distance as when I was in New England going to like the class six roads. It's it's wild to me that like it's there. Harlan <laughs> is like three and a half hours from me now. So it's like shit. I have some of the coolest wheeling shit that like I watched all these people on Instagram do, and now it's just there. Like, yeah, you're you're close no. to Morris Mountain too. I don't even know what Morris is. I've seen it. Morris is like about thirty minutes from Choco. Damn, okay. he might be living on Morris, then. who knows? Uh, <laughs> that'd be about two hours to three hours. Uh, what if it's closer to you? Two hours. If it's Shit. a half hour out from Choco, because Choco's two and a half. So, okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, and then what? Hawk's Pride is, I think, it's Further west. four hours from me. Yeah, it's like at the Alabama border, um, but that's an awesome park. Okay, so that might be closer to like six, but still, it's Hawk's Pride. And then S'more is seven hours. <clears throat> So, wait, no. it's more in you talk about the one that's Missouri. in uh Missouri's wow, that's not bad. But I heard no. from what Curtis was saying, uh, anything up his way is pretty fucking lame. So, well, there's more, and then there's that park that Josie goes to. Both of those are worth going to, um, mm -hmm. if you've got a group. Okay, it's one of those things where. Like, from what Curtis was saying, it's not worth going on your own, but it's definitely worth it with a group. 
Well, wheeling on your, I can. I don't think wheeling by myself would be very fun, anyways. Oh, like, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just I have to want to go anywhere by myself. I, th I don't mean like by yourself, by yourself, but I mean like with two rigs. He's saying it's more worth it if you've got like Naxjas going or okay, you got like a party going. Gotcha. Um, you know Curtis Barons, right? Yeah. Everyone hates I'm Curtis. Sorry. I was gonna say I'm sorry oh. that you know him. Yeah. Do they? <laughs> no. No. We no, know he's the the running joke on this podcast. Curtis is a very good friend of all of ours, and we like to shit on him just cause yeah. because he's a good sport right. about it. So, um, yeah. yeah. If you want to do any shitting on him, you are more than welcome to because it, it fits very well with us. <laughs> he's been. I'm, on I'm sure I've talked shit online time. before. <laughs> him and those stupid waffle tires. Yep. How much are those things retail, by the way? That's kind like of... a... I think they're like... When he got them... Oh, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, right about what you were saying. When he got them, I think they're about there. I think they're more now, though. Yeah, I think so they're about like 1000 a piece. 1000 a piece? Woo, shit. Yeah. Um, God damn. I think they're like 850 for 40s now. Yeah, it's a little, little much. Yeah, a uh, set of crawlers can still be had for like six fifty to seven twenty, depending on who you buy through, when you buy. Which, oh shit! You know, that's still yeah. twenty four to like twenty nine hundred. Yeah, six fifty is what I paid for the traps when I when I bought them, but that was years ago. Uh, and they, they've gone up. Rip. I mean, they're they're a great tire though. Like, I think they're worth it if you have the extra cash and that's what you want. I'd say they're worth it. After witnessing um, him wheel and just seeing how much grip those fucking tires have, it's impressive. It really is. The only thing that I'm gonna say is, after wheeling with him, fuck that transmission. Like, no, his it's rig just is such his... a fucking dog. Correct, but he also has troubles with his doubler. And he also has troubles with a few other things that I believe is leading to that. His motor is hurting, and he's just neglecting it. So I think there's a few things that are causing his problems. It still has an auto, so I'm sure the gear ratios are just not phenomenal. And yeah. Well, everyone hates Curtis, so makes sense. Well, his, right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Tell us about how you got in with Flex Rocks and Rollover and how you ended up on there twice. Uh, well, um, we were doing a Thanksgiving bash at Morris Mountain, and uh, Marvin just happened to be there filming. Um, so he was actually uh, – we were riding along with the group he was in. So that's how I ended up on that one thing where he was filming, uh, I guess – uh, he called it like the beatdowns video um and also yeah um before that and even after that anytime he made a post about like the 24 hours to hell and back which i'm still trying to get on and uh mm -hmm. anything else i would just kind of bother the hell i would constantly talk shit about them needing to put an xj on there um <laughs> so basically i got invited due to harassment i think uh, hey sometimes a little bit of dedication is all you need you know just beat him down Hey, that's how we got Trail Trash to come on here. No, I just asked harassment. 
No, I just put my little charm in and they were happy. Wait, that sounded really gross. That's getting cut. Anyway, uh, I just no, talked to him nicely. Oh, no, that's that's getting cut. We can move on. Anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just you know I just talked to him nicely and it came it became something sweet. <laughs> A little yeah. bit of that magic sauce. Always. <laughs> what did yeah, White just... call it? Sorry. Oh. Uh, what was it? Mo- tippy Tippy Cow or something like that? He was saying. Yeah, that's... Tippy Cow. Yeah, was a magic sauce. But all right, go ahead, sorry. Oh uh, yeah, I, I mean it seemed to work for me. I just kept bothering him, and now I'm trying to bother him to get on the 24 hours to hell back because that's the one I really want to do. And uh, that is where they they're wheeling for 24 hours straight. Holy shit! Um, it looks like a blast. That I've got some dedication, but that's a little much. I think I'm more suited to that. I'm not really a comp crawler, so doing um, rain of rock stuff is not really what my Jeep was built for. But I'll still, you know, still try it. Obviously, um, you did pretty dang good. So I mean, yeah, it can't... looked like you just got shafted on what was it, bent 120? Oh yeah, yeah, that bent 180. Yeah, I. So this is not a jab at my spotter but he this is that was his first time doing anything like that he's never spotted anything like near that before oh um, yeah that so choice. we were working through some things uh i mean he's a good friend so it's you know it was all good he he was more concerned like you know unhappy with the performance than i was mm-hmm. um but yeah so we were we were figuring stuff out there and i just couldn't get a good approach on that one um, it made for some good video, but I just couldn't get a good shot at it. Everywhere I went, it was just something else was hitting, and I couldn't get it. The rear yeah. axle was dragging the entire time. That's one Jeez. problem with a full-bodied rig is, like, yeah, it just hits. There's yeah, nothing I mean, you can do to stop it. Yeah, I don't, it, it was a blast, though, man. Those guys are awesome to wheel with. Um, yeah. I, I mean, everyone was cool, so. We got to talk with Dwight because it looked like he just got on with uh, Marvin for whatever their beatdown one was. Oh, and... the, uh, sh- the Rain of Rock shootout. Yeah, that boy fucking sent that shit. I don't know if you saw the Instagram video, but that was automotive violence, and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched their uh, the actual video he put out um, Saturday. Um it was cool. Yeah, he gave it hell, man. He he hit that obstacle a lot harder than I could. I hit it with everything I had. He's... We have to check this video. I haven't seen it yet. That sounds wicked exciting to watch. Let's it's good. It was, it's a good that, form- format. Um, Dwight managed to 12 o'clock it and get the suspension unloaded oh, while boy. banging limiter. Um, oh, boy. So that puts and ruining all the microphones. Did he? <laughs> That's uh, it sounded like it. It sounded like he was making those microphones explode. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so I guess that explains from his episode, his comments about neutral drops being a little more aggressive. <laughs> yeah, um, neutral drops are good. I, I like dropping the clutch, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's easy to. It's it's obviously a lot more fun with more power though. Yeah. 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 That's so hopefully soon you should find out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a four eight with just like a mild cam, Melling's oil pump, and beehives in it, and he's taken it to like 
6,800 RPMs. I feel almost bad for that rig. Not bad, bad, but like, damn. It it looked like he used it. I never will with him, but uh, it looked like he used it pretty well, judging by that video. So, <laughs> is there any hope to seeing you at AOP for the Trail Trash meet and beat? That's in May, right? Yeah, yeah. the 13th and 14th. Uh, I'm trying to. Uh, my me and my wife's anniversary is on the 8th, so um, we'll probably be up in Tennessee at least one of those weekends, so I'm going to try to see if I can do a two-for-one trip up there. Ooh, shit, there That'd you go. Awesome. Um, yeah. I know Graham Wheeler is coming down, so we're trying to talk. Why did you just talk... say his last name? What the f- What? Isn't it in his Instagram? Whatever. Yeah, all time like that was the that weirdest way. thing. That's so odd. Sorry, go ahead. Eh. Well, I know Graham's coming down, um, and I think we might get Colin down. And I believe JB is also coming with his new waffle wig. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's going to yeah. be a uh, – it's going to be good. I know that I was talking with Morgan about it, and we're planning on doing the whole weekend. Right. So, and you've never been to AOP, right? No, I might okay. go before if I get an invite from like Brad or you know Dwight or Trail Trash up there. Um, I just don't know enough people in the area yet to want to go and do it. Uh, like showing up and hoping to find a group to wheel with <laughs> isn't my style. Yeah, uh, AOP is awesome unless it rains. Everyone says that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's real. <laughs> is it what just like every bottom of the trail just gets horrible, or is it the whole trail? It's most of that mountain until you get to the top. Is just that mud mixed with those rocks makes that damn near undrivable when it's wet out. Oh shit! It's insane. Uh, I've watched a few buggies and bouncers struggle to just move around. It's not even getting up the obstacles. It's just going from place to place that becomes a nightmare. Holy fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. When we were at Harlan, the southern clay shit is something else, dude. Right. I never experienced it, and that made me want to go straight to a set of Baja Pros <laughs> just for getting around. Never mind, like, it, getting on some of the obstacles and my rig broke down ha like in the first day of Harlan pretty quick so yeah it, it's weird man there's certain parks that when they get wet they become a, kind of a pain in the ass to do anything at and then there's other stuff like honestly Choco and Morris those two parks wet you almost feel like you get more traction on some obstacles um, I've gone up some stuff wet at Choco that I would have never thought would happen, but it, I don't know. They just respond a little differently. What is that dude's name? Um, Timmy something, I think. He's got a YJ with an, a 5.3 and an LSA supercharger in it. Um, Overtime, that's the guy's name. He okay. We met up with him, and um, they were saying that it's easier to one-shot rail bed after it rains because it cleans up the rock face. Makes sense. So, 
don't know. What's your favorite park that you've been to in the area? Uh, in what, like just that whole southeast area? Yeah, the whole southeast. Uh, Windrock still, yeah. Windrock? You ever uh, make it yeah, out to I, Gulch's? Uh, I haven't been to Gulch's yet. I've been meaning to make it there. I just, it's just never, anytime, the, anytime I'm with a group that plans a ride, that we just, it always ends up somewhere in Alabama. Okay. We never make it to Gulch's. I'm trying to go out to Gulch's. I want to see Joey Urban out there at some point. Um, but I've got to just, like, figure out what I'm doing for wheeling this year anyway. You're not going to wheel. No, I'm you know not. <laughs> My rig's a garbage can that's held together with duct tape and bailing wire and a little <laughs> hatred. Um I just need to find some more hatred to get it running right. <laughs> and then I'll be good. Jeez. Yeah, man, there's, uh, there's also a place, um, it's like 20 minutes away from AOP called uh, Coppinger Cove. Uh, there's some pretty cool stuff in there too. Big caves you oh, can drive into. Sweet. and stuff. Um, it's more of like a riverbed kind of area, but it's a uh, open land. There's, it's not a park. Huh. Um, so you can just drive in there anytime. And I suggest going with someone who's been there, but yeah, you can drive down to some caves and there's actually a little, some obstacles inside one of the caves that are pretty crazy. What? That's fucking yeah. cool. Yeah. I'd suggest walking to the back first and looking at it, <laughs> but, uh, it, it's, it's all slick. It's all. A super tight turn with a big ledge, um, oh, but it's that cool. Does not sound like my rig's uh, <laughs> forte because my rig doesn't turn. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> might have a hard time there then. Yeah, it's. But you can still drive through the entrance of the club or the cave. Sweet. Um, Could take so that I... pretty little picture. Yeah, indeed. The picture looks awesome. Um, you might actually be the person to talk to about this. So, I don't have a waggy Pittman arm, and I'm not sure if that's my issue. But I've got stock 04 steering knuckles and uh, GM-style steering. And I just, I use like 7 inches, 7.5 inches of the ram. But it doesn't feel like the rig wants to turn at all. Well, yeah. it turns, but it's like, it's a boat. Yeah, you don't make it to the steering stops? Yeah, I don't make it to the <laughs> steering stops. And you Back said you're on a stock Pittman arm? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a ZJ Pittman arm. Okay, I, I know the WJs are like slightly longer. Um, but yeah, obviously the Waggy would probably get you close. I ran a... Uh, it might have been an F250 Pittman arm when I had Hydro Assist. Um, that helped out a lot. But how's your I know, I think the wack on the road? I love it. It, I, if I'm being honest, it drives better on the street than my hydro assisted. Now, what do you have for a setup? It's a PSC, it's either eight and a half or nine inch, uh, double ended RAM. Um, I got a there, I think it's their 120 something orbital, uh. A pretty big cooler. I have their pump with their reservoir. It's just the their whole PSE TJXJ setup. 
uh, with a different RAM than what they offer. It's a slightly longer RAM. That's sweet. That gives me but a it, little... But it works phenomenal. So yeah. do you have, like, one of those RTAC trusses, or how is your uh, RAM mounted? Uh, so I have a WFO truss on mine, uh, okay. which is a tall, kind of boxy, quarter-inch truss. And I just built uh, a mount off the front of it. It ties into the axle um, and to the truss. I just, I just built it out of inch and a half quarter wall DOM. It's got some bends, some braces, a little plate on the bottom. And it's mounted pretty high up there. Uh, I know there's some pictures on, I'm pretty sure there's some pictures on some Instagram if you look a little ways back. But uh, yeah, it's, the actual RAM mount's all home built. Okay. I'll check huh. that out. Um, hydro has been under consideration. Um, I'm not sure what I'm doing otherwise for projects for the year, but that's definitely something that's been like thought about in the back of my head for a little while now because my rigs just like um, I played it behind the steering box. I played it behind the track bar and it's just, I feel like I'm constantly chasing shit. So if I can put all that stress into the axle tubes, it seems like that would be a benefit. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I haven't really had an issue that I'm unhappy with with full hydro. <clears throat> if it was a straight daily driver, I probably wouldn't go full hydro. But it's not. I don't mind driving it on the street driver. at all. It's a rig that gets driven around to go and get ice cream, and I want to drive to work every once in a while. Right. Um, and it, I think I've ever seen you eat ice cream. It's a good reference point for going out to dinner or whatever. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I just, I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> ice cream? Yeah, and I mean... <clears throat> oh, sorry. And you get a good PSC orbital. It's load-reactive. So, you know, you do feel some feedback from the road. Um, and obviously, if the motor dies, you can still steer it. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't know you could do that. I thought once you, like, I thought full hydro, if you, uh, if it dies, that's it. There's no steering. Nah, no, I put would. the single ended on my ZJ, it was a PSC kit, and it would still steer. It just huh. wasn't happy. Yeah, I would, if I had to compare it, because um, I actually had to, uh, I had a starter die on the Jeep one day at one of our parks, and um, I had to get pulled out, and so I was steering without, you know, the motor running, and it's it's not awesome, and it feels a lot like my uh, Hydro assisted when the motor died. Uh, it's super, super kind of hard to turn, but on a trail, that's not a huge deal, and on the road, you're if you're already rolling and your motor dies, it's super easy to just get off the side of the road That's it doesn't become undrivable or anything like that the only thing that would make it undrivable is if like somehow you had a drastic leak like i'm i'm not talking like a small leak which will favor like a hose completely blows off or something like that and i suppose it, that using quality fittings with like a good double braided hose wouldn't or would help to prevent that probably i just have their uh, field service hoses for now, I'm going to probably get some real hoses made up, but those have been pretty good for me. They don't leak, and they've held up. I ran those uh, on the ZJ buggy that I had a while ago. 
thing was a total piece of shit, but the PSC Hydro <laughs> is probably the nicest thing on it. <laughs> hey, it did somewhat cool shit, okay? It did a lot of really cool shit and really stupid shit, but it was still a piece of shit. It happens. <laughs> um, you know, I prefer the XJ 10 times out of 10, even though at this point it's in need of a little love. Right. Yeah, I'd love the XJ. Um, I just don't know if I'd ever build another one, especially to this level. Uh, Seems like everybody says that. Everybody yeah, who's this lot in an, or has taken an XJ to that level always says that they prefer to just build a buggy or something. Yeah, if, if I had to start over, it would be with a buggy chassis. Uh, I I wouldn't even because I know a lot of people they say well I just get something with a frame or whatever but no it's not even that it's just I'm tired of building around stuff. Um, yeah, that's making compromises thing. is kind of a pain. Like where I'm at here, it's not terrible to register homemade vehicles, so I might be able to get away with a tube frame, um, and still be able to street drive it, but. If I had to go someplace else and build something streetable, I don't even know what it would be because it's not the XJ platform itself. It's the building around what someone else has already done. Yeah. Um, even XJ Mike's rig, which was really sweet, he still had to compromise and build around the TJ tub. Um, yeah, and that, that ends up being the biggest issue is packaging stuff and you have to either cut away too much of it to make sense and then you're still left with compromises you made for geometry. Yeah. It, I just want to eliminate all that. But I, I like the Jeep too much. I'm not getting rid of it. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> compromise on my geometry for the four link too bad. I was really happy with the numbers I got out of it. Um but I could see how that would be a problem if you actually gave a shit about your interior. Right. Uh, interior. Like, for example, my rear link mounts come up below the B-pillar. Um, you know, my B-pillar is a little further back, and my mounts are pretty far forward. So it's like, you couldn't have a functional interior in that, and they're braced up against the outside frame rails so they're pretty far spread apart so you know i don't really see any comfortable packaging solutions for that yeah yeah i mean my main issue is the front uh oh yeah there's I, i'm packaging a lot of shit in small package there and it's just it, it, it's tough i mean i'm through the floorboard i had the clearance under my right foot to clear my front drive shaft. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Well, I have, you know, uh, everything I built to have a flat belly. And I don't know if you personally seen a 205, but, um, yeah, I've seen a 205. <laughs> They're fucking massive. It, it's way up there. So it, you know, I had to beat in the floor a bit. So I, you know, I'm hitting the gas pedal while my heels resting on the part of the tunnel. I've clearance for the drive shaft and, and it still um, just barely clears, too. So, when I built my rig, I decided that the factory cross member was going to be, like, my cutoff point for how low I could drop stuff. 
So okay. I picked up the uh, transmission just a little bit, and it's not the worst, So, but I don't have as a flat belly in the regards that you do. I've still got, you know, a two-inch drop off of the factory frame rails, and it hits, but it's not the worst. Uh, I mean, honestly, making a flat belly just created more problems than anything. Uh Cause now, you know, you don't have room for exhaust. You don't have room for everything no. is really close to the floor. And with my rig, like I barely have room for exhaust. I've got that extra two inches, but that extra two inches when you're talking about having no room versus having two inches to get a two and a quarter or a two and a half inch pipe through makes things a lot easier. You know? Yeah, that's not yeah. Just, I can I can see that though. Like with a purpose-built buggy, something like that would be so much simpler. Where, oh yeah, as you said, you really are kind of cutting corners or sacrificing stuff to gain something else, and you never know if it's actually going to be beneficial until it happens, and then you might get fucked in the end. Yeah, and like, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, on my rig, you know, there's no way to get a tailpipe through there because. With my upper link mounts, my upper link mounts sit up against the floorboard at full bump. So, like, you just can't come around it. And, you know, the links move too much at full droop to go underneath and, like, snake through. It's a fucking pain in the ass. Whereas, if you had a full tube chassis, you could just run your exhaust right around everything and build a cover over it and be happy. Yeah. Then, you know, you have a full body rig, doesn't really matter what it is. You're really just one decent roll from it just being gone. Um, like a flop, not an issue, but, you know, if I go end over on something, oh, hybrid yeah. cage isn't going to, it's going to yeah. crush it to the point where I'm just not going to enjoy looking at it anymore and then I'm going to have to get rid of it. Um, or cut it up and make it into something completely different. Yeah, and I don't want to do that. Um, I like the roof, like everything else. So, but yeah, uh, it it's fun. It's just uh, it's taught me some things on Cherokee that I probably don't want to deal with again. And really, anything. I mean, any full body pre existing vehicle, I'd probably not start with. Just pick up a WD chassis or something. Yeah. There you go. I was gonna build a chassis this year, but then. I don't know if I'm going to end up getting my dad's truck and I'm talking about starting my own business at some point this year. So it's like my schedule just got fucked and the Cherokee yes. drives and yep. wheels. So for somebody, for somebody who's uh, like newer to Cherokees or planning to build their rig to the point that you have gone nick is there something that you would suggest for them to not do or to do differently than you did I, it depends on the level they're trying to go to i mean there's enough off-the-shelf parts these days where you could build you know a one-ton xj that's super capable and you're you're making a small a few small sacrifices as compared to what i made to you know i'd did a lot of work to gain an extra inch of belly clearance. You don't really need that to wheel. Um, that was just more for me. Um, probably just avoid all that. <laughs> Simplify it. <laughs> um, 
there's no reason to go that far unless you just really want that extra little bit of clearance for whatever reason. But <laughs> hey, an inch is an inch, okay? I, I mean, it. I like to think it helps. I don't really get bellied on much, so I, I'd like to think I was successful in that, but I don't really know because <laughs> I keep the thing kind of low. Um, so it 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 hits a lot of other places, but it doesn't seem to hit the belly too often. So. I know that your rig is really low. Um, what shocks are you running to get it where it's at? Uh, it's got 14-inch ORIs up front, 16-inch ORIs in the rear. Wow. Um, Do you have there, any Bob. issues with tuning them? Uh, it, I, I mean, it took a while for me to figure out what I really liked on them. It took a lot of wheeling trips to kind of figure out what I want to tune out of them and changes I want to make, but I'm happy with the ride now. I'm really happy with the performance. They don't get too crazy when my front end's way up in the air. Um, they seem to handle hard bumps really nice. So I, I, I'm happy with them. And they only took a few real big changes um, to get them where they're at. Now, do you run separate bumps to them? Or do no. you run the internal bumps? I just run the internal bumps. And how about the uh, limiting, like the quote-unquote limiting straps? Do you have your like a secondary set or no? The only limiting strap I have is I have one mounted um, right at my front diff, just to. I put it there when I had a my original thirteen fifty front drive shaft because it would it would bind up. Um, I probably don't need it now, but um, it works. So you that's the only. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't hurt anything. Um, and also, I think I had it there, too, to keep uh, – when I had Hydro Assist, to keep that Pitman arm from extending down to where it bound up. But obviously, with full Hydro, it's not an issue anymore. And I've got a 1480U joint front shaft. Um, that doesn't ever bind. 1480? Damn. Yeah, I took a stock Dana 60 front axle shaft, and I cut it up and – turned it into my drive shaft. I welded a flange on the end of it to bolt to the 205. And it's been great. There's a ton of angle and a ton of strength. That's fucking crazy. That's cool as shit, though. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think... I think XJ Mike did something similar. Um, I can't remember. Um, I know that I'm feeling like my 1310s are a little small, but, you know, whatever. They're cheap to replace. It, I mean, if you're not consistently breaking them, I probably wouldn't worry about it. I break the stub shaft and the hub before I blow the front drive shaft. Okay. At least for now. Yeah, well, it's not getting changed anytime soon from just ease of getting replacement junkyard parts and the fact that it eats the hub first normally. Um, yeah, you're talking about the front axle hub? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've literally launched the hub off of the Dana 60 before, which has been entertaining. <laughs> um, it just, like, pushed the snap rings off and walked out. What hub do you have? Um, I've had Warns and Mile Markers on it. I don't have, like, the Yukons or anything else because I'd rather replace a $100 hub than the axle apart or a hundred dollars set of hubs right 
Um, I know it's a really shitty excuse, and I know it's a limiting factor, but it's just a Band-Aid fuse for now. Yeah, right, whatever works, man. I'm... Eventually, it's getting 35 spline inners and outers, chromalis with like nice U-joints and a set of slugs, just so I can stop dealing with it. But does a 4-liter really need that at the moment, or would that be better done when I rebuild everything and go to the LS with, you know, 1410 drive shafts? To me, it seems like it's better to do everything together. So Probably. it's not a Especially with it. rebuild. Yeah, if you do a motor swap, there's a chance you'll have to redo your drive shafts anyways. Oh, I'm going to have to redo my drive shafts anyways. Um, I can't see the whatever transmission it gets, you know, as much as it's halal the same. But, like, if it gets a TH350 with a 5.3, which, you know, I really don't want to do. But at the same time, if that combo drops in my lap, I know the drive shaft length's not going to be right. If it gets a 4L80, it's not going to be right. So, just do it all at once and buy once, cry once. Yep. One expensive trip. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sure that the girlfriend will be happy to see, like, oh, hey, you spent $6,000 on a motor swap in a $300 Jeep. Cool. Let's just hope she doesn't think it's a ring and then you disappoint her. <laughs> oh, that would be terrible. Imagine that. She's like, oh my god, I wait, Luke just pulled out 6k. Oh my gosh, maybe he's giving me a ring. Hey babe, look at my LS. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, shit. I think the ring would have to come before the LS at this point. Yeah, um, potentially. She deserves it. She's pretty great. She's pretty great <laughs> and you're not going to hear any argument from me. Plus, she's really supportive of, like, everything that I do. So, you know. Yeah, it, it helps. You got to you gotta please both sides there. That's awesome. <laughs> You're going to keep spending money on the Jeep? Yeah. Well, it's not just the Jeep, though. It's the guns. It's the Jeep. And it's All right. now I want to go and do uh, or start a small business. So, like. Speaking of hobbies outside of wheeling, do you have any hobbies outside of wheeling? And have you had to sacrifice any so you can keep wheeling? Uh, outside of wheeling? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I really, most of my time is just working and hanging out with the kids and stuff. I don't really. Oh, I mean, okay. I, so I, that makes sense. You're dad. That makes sense then. Oh, uh, yeah. I did yeah, not. Most of my hobbies are. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Unfortunately, it's all tied up and everything else. But hey, that's I'm trying to think. Like, I shoot occasionally, but haven't really shot much since the uh, you know ammo prices skyrocketed. So I just kind of look at them more than anything. <laughs> um, I'm uh, lucky I shoot Russian stuff, but that's uh, not gonna last. So no. Can, can we clarify that in case this ever gets uh listened to and somebody's Russian? Uh, Russian ammunition. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say somebody might shit. be a little nervous after. It's like, damn, this guy really doesn't like fucking Russians. God damn. <laughs> no, I like the Russians. They provide me with ammunition I can afford to shoot. I thought uh, there was a tariff on that. There is. There is. Um, it's not even a tariff. Shoot. It's a ban, right? Yeah. Oh shit! Wow. 
after there was a... the import licenses that have already been signed or filled, uh, it's banned. So in the Ow. next year and change, I think it's year and a half, um, it's going to be banned. Holy shit. But we're getting Bulgarian ammunition now to fill that void. So hopefully my don't Russian love... guns don't, you know, die. But so we love the Bulgarians now. Got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think we covered quite a good bit of shit. We've been recording for like two hours and 15 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, anyone got any final thoughts, final questions? What's your full, like, what's your, like, oh my gosh. What's your gear ratio, like the whole kit and caboodle? Uh... Now I th I think it's 114. Oh, I'm sorry. This is with the NV3550. I have to do the math again for the 480, but it was like 115 to one. Holy shit! Um, yeah. That's with the 205 Titan Doubler 538s, and it was like a the NV3550's got like a four to one first gear. Wow. Um. So that really helped. And before that, with the 300, it was like 144 to one. God uh, damn. That was with the 231 and the Dana 300 though. Holy shit. So, it, uh, now it's going to be a little worse, but... What are your socials for everyone that listens? Uh, Instagram, it's um, SFR Automotive. Uh, Facebook is just my name, Nick LeBlanc, but, you know... So, Fab Racing, correct? No, no, I will say I, I've been using that name before. That was the thing for them, but I, I don't feel like changing it anymore. Yeah, you'll be fine. I'm sure they don't. They haven't even noticed, or they have, and they're just like, ah, not a big deal. Well, I mean, yeah. you could just point to the Jeep form threads from what 2000 and like 12. <laughs> it, it, yeah, well, no, even before that, um, because I we used to do um filmed racing videos back in like the early 2000s like oh oh three oh four oh five and um the the label for it would be like sfr performance on the videos um okay. yeah. yeah so it's been around it's changed a little bit i don't even know why i have it there it just i think i started using it on the social medias because jeep forum banned me so i had to come up with a new name to get back on jeep forum and um i just decided yeah, to go with that like and just N2.0 Jeep or something back in the day? Yeah, N2.0 Jeep was the original one. Huh. Why did you get banned from Jeep form? Well, they had a uh, um, a street section, and I had an XJ on a pretty big shot of nitrous back then. Oh, um, my God. And they started giving me warnings about posting videos, and then eventually... Uh, I just kept posting the videos, so they finally ended up kicking me off. So I received a lifetime ban because of that. Oh, wow. yeah, they were oh, because oh, it. because yeah, yeah, that makes sense that you were doing like illegal things on the road, and that would make them look bad or something. I sure, yeah, that was um, probably it. I don't know. I, was like, I, I mean, I understood it, so it wasn't like I was too worried about it. But I, I wanted to get on there because I still had some buddies on there, so I just created a new name and decided to use the SFR. <laughs> I um, caught a perma ban from Facebook for calling people pine cones. 
<laughs> Fuck. Uh, Instagram's got me a few times. Really? I've said some fucked up things on Instagram, and I've yet to get banned. Knock on wood. So, you know, it's the. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen it. Um, it's the bots that post like you know, share it to my page or whatever. Uh, um, yeah. You see them, you know, send it to us, DM it, whatever. So I just started talking shit to them, and almost immediately, every time I say something to them, I receive a like a, a two or three day ban or something like that. I'm silenced on there. See, that's good and to know because bullying. <laughs> So that's good to know because we've recently keep getting contacted by these bullshit podcast things on Instagram and I love fucking with them. And what I've been saying recently, like they'll just be like, Oh my God, contact us about, we'll publish you this and that. And I was like, well, we talk about butt fucking each other. So like, if that's something you're into, then sure. Never respond. So it's probably a good thing that you told me that. Cause I'll probably stop doing that now. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how Instagram figures this out, but they obviously uh, have no problem letting the uh, bots so but I, I do know one of our friends and one of our group chats like we have like a friends group chat on facebook and one of our friends did get a one-day ban for saying something that like none of us obviously none of us reported it. we couldn't care less what our buddies are going to joke about to us but he said something that like tickled the fancy of the facebook bots and um banned him for it for it wasn't very long i think it was like a day or something but still pretty crazy I've only been banned on Facebook once, um, and that was because I posted some meme that it was. We'll, we'll go ahead and say it was. Dark. It was probably a little. It wasn't even dark. I thought it was funny. Um, uh, I don't know. If he, he it was like it. a picture of Jesus. Um, oh. It was. It's like Jesus fucking Christ, and it was Jesus fucking himself. Oh, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, I see the normies might have gotten upset by that. Yeah, so they, I think I got like a seven day ban for that or something like that. It was it was stupid, but you know, I can't I, got, I can't imagine why. Yeah, I, I don't know. It. I thought it was just free country. You know, Coxlayer off road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The like the actual fake one or actual Rockslayer? Which one? Uh the actual one. I would go on there and I would call people fucking pine cones, and that's how I got a perma ban. For bullying 100% he reported it for sure. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't doubt that one bit. I know. Yeah. But I just, after getting a permaban for that, I haven't had fa uh, Facebook. So, you know, it was right during the election, too. So you know how Facebook is about their uh, insults during election season. Yeah, I I tend not to post anything super crazy anymore on Facebook. Uh, I know, but tell me it's not hilarious to make fun of Rock or Rock Slayer or Cock Slayer, yeah. whichever one you prefer, uh, on there directly on his page. Like he makes it too easy. Well, he comes into the other groups and uh posts some of his stuff in those other groups and just gets hammered, but keeps coming back. He probably thinks it's publicity at this point. That must be they, it. This is never positive. They do say any. Uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Some moron will probably end up buying his setup and get fucked over for it. But who knows? No, no. You've got to understand, dude. You can get 20 inches of suspension travel. That is so sick. Yeah, so 
I know he runs those 20 inch ORIs on a lot of his builds and ORIs, especially a 20 inch ORI are huge. They're yeah. like, there's no way you can fit those without making some serious, you know, cutting corners, especially on a full body rig, like those trucks he puts it on. Mm-hmm. There's no way they're stable. Oh, absolutely not. Um, I had an issue fitting a 14 with my, the way my, or like my, tubing was in the rear i couldn't imagine trying to fit a 20 inch ori in the back of my jeep like it just wouldn't fit with how that's low a, i've got it that's a big fucking shock i guess can we call it a shock a big hybrid yeah. i guess if you will that's yeah, church the pair shocks yeah <laughs> that's big like i mean just to think like you would have to go one extra eight inches with your um the towers in the back luke to try to fit a try to even remotely Um, fit a 20 so basically for every inch of shock travel you have two inches of body holy Um, shit that i might be wrong about the specifics on that but if you look at the charts yeah uh it's like two inches of total shock length uh when you talk about per inch of travel um yeah. But the biggest thing with ORIs is like, especially with a shock that big, if with a 20 inch ORI, you you want like uh, at least eight or nine inches of chrome showing on that thing. So you're not riding in the oil of the shock. Mm-hmm. So those have to be the roughest riding trucks ever because they're all really low, um, like low on shaft height, not on ride height. Oh, okay. So they have to be riding in the shock oil, which is a rough ride. So. If I wanted to run an ORI just for shits and gigs, because I'm team coil over, I would right. probably want to run like a 12 and a half or a 12 to a 14 up front just to keep the packaging reasonable and get the no shaft showing. I would go with probably a 14 um, and just run, you know, don't run a ridiculously tall truss. Um, that way you can have a oil pan clearance and stuff. And you could you could fit a 14 pretty good because it ends up being something like uh, right around 13 and a half or so actually uh, inches of travel. Because um, huh. it's not full 14 inches of travel on them. I was looking at throwing a set of 12-inch coilovers up front just for the simplicity of packaging. Um, I already run 12 inches of, of shock travel. It's not ideal, but it's just easy. And it's yeah. better than what I've got. I mean, 12s will fit just fine. I'm just saying, like, you could fit 14s with oh, not yeah. a ton of work. And like I said, it's probably going to be a coilover. Um, I really, really like how my coilovers perform, but that's just me. And I might not know better. I mean, coilovers work fine. It's more of a teach their own kind of thing when it comes to ORIs. <laughs> they get a lot of hate, so... Yeah. Um, I'm not the biggest fan after watching what Curtis has to do every single run, but I also just don't care because it's not my rig. I don't know why he has so many problems. I've talked to him a few times about him. Um, and I believe he bought him used. And honestly, God, he probably has a like his shaft is probably like um scratched or something, and it just keeps blowing seals like or like scratching through the seals, and then. He's got old ones with updated guts in them, too, which makes it really complicated. Um, 
so it might not even be scratched, but it might just be a change in the machining tolerances. You know, like yeah. Well, if it is scratched, uh, if it is scratched, that shaft's like twenty bucks. They're super cheap for yeah. a new shaft. That's not bad at all. Holy fuck! Yeah, most of the prices for the internals of ORIs are not expensive. That's not well, bad at all. Alrighty, Although, we were clo we were closing up shop, and now we're back on shop talk. <laughs> oh, yeah. So on that note, um, make sure that you're not Curtis and you don't fuck your ORIs. Check out uh, Flex Rocks and Rollovers with SFR Automotive on it. And have a good keep evening, your, everyone. Hold on. Keep your shafts shiny and your Mishimoto radiators in the trash. Oh, man. <laughs> For sure. Right under the bus.